You read a Star Wars book, I see. How'd you see that? Uh, just on the back of one of them. Oh, yeah. What, what did. did you read? Star Wars number 36. Oh. They did all sorts of, you know, flying around in space and avoiding Imperials. Yeah. Lando like did the, some fancy flying. Like Imperial chocolates? Imperials? Yeah. Jay, what happened? Don't, don't see color. Uh, I don't think we say that anymore, Roman. <laughs> presents perfectly acceptable podcast a comic book podcast we record every single week from the corner of all things pop culture the pacific northwest bellingham washington to be exact it's one of our favorite things to do because we love to sit together and stare at one another top uh, top banana 600 favorite things in my life top every week men top men that's an indiana jones reference um i'm jeff and i make the indiana jones references around here I'm Django, and I approve of his Indiana Jones messages. Confirm them, edit them, correct them. I am Roman, and, you know, best part of any indie mythos is Belloc. Yep, Uh, (laughs) that's true. That's Roman. He's a big Rick and Morty fan. Loves Rick and Morty. Um, Look at his shirt. He's a big Rick and Morty guy. And what I am is somebody who's very excited to hear from our good friend and listener, Will Elmer. You can be like Will Elmer and send a voicemail in to us or just a a, a written email by sending it to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. What do you got? Pickle Elmer. Pickle Elmer. (laughs) Roman, Roman, Roman. You're sure dangerous. Hello and happy episode 321. Make this a quick one this week because we're on our way to go see Indiana Jones so I can finally listen to that podcast you guys recorded. <laughs> um, but speaking of podcasts, last week, Jeff, you mentioned you guys listened to the iFanboy podcast and uh, it left me wondering, what other podcasts do you guys listen to? What are your favorite podcasts? What is your favorite medium or not medium? What's your favorite way to listen to podcasts? Driving, working out, walking, uh just blasting it on full blast in the comics place so that everybody has to hear what you're listening to. Let us know. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. I think we all agree that we love that guy. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that he didn't call it that this is episode 321. It is 321. Yeah, Contact. I have that written here. 321. Contact. Children's Educational Programming. Yep. Yep. Um, Django, why don't you kick us off? I know you've got a lot of podcasts that you like, and Roman, I don't think you listen to any. I Barely. think I... I think you and me probably listen to enough for Roman. I think yeah. so. Um, iFanboy is for sure on my weekly list. So is the uh, um, Challengers Comics and Conversation podcast. Uh, I also listen to every single episode of Make Me Smart. And I'm slowly working You'd my way through. You'd hope that would Dopey. start working at some point. <laughs> That's what I keep hoping. That's what I keep hoping. It's it's actually a really interesting um, like news through the lens of economics podcast. And uh, I I really appreciate the way that they approach the stories that they cover and the things that they, ha- they talk about. Working my way through Dopey, which is about uh, drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. Um, and then I have just like a, a gigantic smattering of comic book and science-y podcasts mostly that I check in on when I get bored. As far as where I listen to them, uh, mostly right after I wake up, I'll listen to a podcast while I'm getting ready for the day, making coffee and stuff. 
listen to them in the shower. Sometimes listen to them while I'm walking, but when I do that, my mind doesn't wander in the way that I prefer it to on a walk. Yeah, I get that. Um, I listen to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast as well. That's a stalwart in Django and I's listening repertoire. They do, a, you know, talk about the week's comics, but also review all the movies and do interviews with people. And they're my favorite comic book podcast outside of this they're, one. They're not not an inspiration for this podcast. Exactly. Um, I listen to not as much now, but the whole kind of family of McElroy podcasts. And uh, I listen to a podcast called The Empty Bowl about cereal um i we'd have to plug our good friend uh mike watney's music podcast raccoon radio which is fantastic and uh it's kind of all sorts of things one of my favorite longest running podcasts of all time is mike and tom eat snacks that's that's (laughs) what basically got me to start listening to podcasts like 15 years ago um and then i listened to the fantasy pros football podcast i listen to the fantasy footballers fantasy podcast i listen to the fantasy pros dynasty podcast i listen to the pivot which is a sports interviewing podcast i listen to justin boone's fantasy football podcast the score i listen to jj zacharyson's the late round podcast i listen to underdog fantasy football with josh norris and hayden winks fantasy podcast i listen to uh you pod to win the game I listen to Wake Up with Ray GQ, and I listen to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty podcast. So I listen Dang. to an ungodly amount of fantasy NFL <laughs> news podcasts. Uh, and, yeah, that's amazing, Jeff. Yeah. And I listen to them in my car. I love to listen to them while I'm playing video games. I have particular ones that I always listen to at the gym that I save that have video components because I prefer to watch things at the gym, but you watch video podcasts and there is a fair amount of work I do at the shop that involves me being isolated while doing that work. And I love, I I can usually knock out like three or four hours of podcasts a week doing that on like a Tuesday. Um, I should, I should give uh, honorable mention to off panel books with pictures has a podcast, Katie pride mm -hmm. and, uh, um andrea guillory and it's it's really well done um and meanwhile at manage comics i like that one quite a bit i love that guy cocaine and rhinestones is pretty awesome about the history of country music smartless i listen to that my probably my favorite comic book and movie podcast is the weekly planet a couple of australian guys just talking shit about movies i I really like them they're they're funnier than us which um no no doesn't take much but uh they nailed it no um thanks for sending that in will or roman do you have any podcasts i want to check out that last one Django mentioned well like you said the weekly planet well yeah like you said i'm not i like the idea of podcasts but it just it's not a natural thing for me yet it never occurs to me to like seek out a wherever podcasts live and turn one on Push play on the radio. <laughs> I never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but ones I've occasionally actually the only one I actually listen to regularly um, is uh, 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 the Good Time Girls, the Belling History podcast. Mm-hmm. Are they still doing here, that here in town? Um, oh yeah, they just I mean they just started it. Uh, oh, this this year. Um, and then there's other ones I occasionally have listened to, but it's been so long I can't remember the name of them. One was from the Folger Shakespeare Library about shakespearean things um that sounds like a joy it was hmm. it is sounds like a uh, tragedy that, to me. that uh <laughs> maybe it's a comedy um and of course i've mentioned before though that short-lived one that obama and springsteen did together I really oh liked yeah that one. yeah all right well hell okay. yeah that was more than i give you credit some, for yeah there's some true crime ones there's one that sage introduced me to that i 
can't remember what it's called. It has a great name. It's these two British women talking about true crime cases, and it's very entertaining. Mm. Dude, Sinisterhood. That's two Texan comedians talking about true crime and spooky things like uh, cryptozoology. They are hilarious. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I, th- I think good. that one would probably be a, a good entry point for just your run of the mill white people talking to white people podcast Ronan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some I've tried to listen to like lore, but I just can't stand the guy's voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't listen to risk because of that. I can't stand the, the 32nd intro of the main dude. <laughs> yeah. I like everything else I hear about it, but I, I always turn it off when that guy comes on. Speaking yeah. of long intros, we're going long in here. So let's talk about some fucking comic long books, hard. my sweethearts. Uh, Django is pretty excited about a book this week, and I want him to start this discussion with that book he was pretty excited about. Oh, do you? Yeah, I don't know which book it is. Is it Baron Stormers? Baron Stormers. Every time this book has come up, come up, Django's gone. I like that book a lot. Yeah, yeah. Baron Stormers, uh, Tula Lote and Scott Snyder, a ballad of love and murder. It's about a guy who is a barnstormer, which means he rides a biplane and, um, and wow, I flipping through this, I just realized I missed a whole page, two page spread. <laughs> um, he he flies airplanes and makes a buck or two in each town. And he gets wrapped up in this adventure with a woman who was going to get married. And he she she makes him take her with him uh, to the next town. And uh, he's having these hallucinations that robots are following him. And he, we find out he's recently escaped from an asylum. It's just a... I don't know. I, I like the characters a whole lot. I like the adventure. The setting is what, like uh, 1920s when, you know, like you could just kind of pick up and fly away and land in a new town and make up your own story. So like it, it, it there's more opportunity, I think, when these people leave. If you tried to do this now, you know. The internet tracks you down. The internet tracks you down. I don't, I don't even know where you could possibly go to get away so with that. So this uh, had to have been like, like just this. before the Wright brothers, right? Um, pretty sure it was after the Wright brothers. Yeah. No. Did they invent the so. internet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dan Dan, me- Dan Dan Wright, Wright and his brother Quail Wright. Yeah. The yeah. The Eggman. The Eggman. I really like this uh the art in here. And you know, like like the picture of the woman in the dress with a shotgun sitting on the airplane was right up my alley like like flapper style um and the guy looks a lot like cliff from the rocketeer which who looks like indiana jones uh you know that's true right the rocketeer up, is a lot right like up my indiana a. jones yeah. um yeah this book feels very like for roman and django to me it's like a crime noir <laughs> book without the noir or sorry without the like overt detective guy but it's like mm-hmm. you got this like damsel in distress that we don't quite trust because these they're putting the weight on this guy and he's you know flying around and he's got a mysterious past but she's got a more mysterious past and there's romance but do we trust her and she's caused him to be embroiled in some murder stuff like it's it, it's uh it's of a type of thing that um, i associate with the both of you guys pretty strongly so the plot was come up with by scott Snyder and tula lotoy lote and uh yeah her art is pretty stunning throughout the whole thing yeah yeah i like it, it, it quite glows a bit. the art glows i'm curious if you guys so this was a 60 page comic comprised of two 30 page issues 
And I'm always interested in the execution of comics. Django, particularly, you have brought up things like this series would have worked well if they had both the two first issues come out at once or if it was an oversized issue. I think the choice to have these be two separate issues contained in one is interesting. Although if I had to guess, this is probably, yeah, Comixology original. So it's coming out yeah. as a digital comic and has already been released. So they seem to do that in those situations. But it's it's an interesting Interesting choice to me. This is clearly like two separate issues. I wonder why they did it this way. Seems to be the theme for these comicsology books, right? Because mm -hmm. they did the clear was mm -hmm. the same. And wasn't there one that came out like last week that was part of this whole thing? I don't even know if it was actually a Scott Snyder, but that that, that one with uh, Francisco Francavilla art also right. had that. Um yeah, it's it's a, it's the way that they've decided to publish these things. I think it's a little mysterious, but also I didn't mind having this much. Like, I don't know that I would have picked up the second issue if I hadn't read where this was going. I probably would have. Yeah, I would have. But but I like having a larger serving size for this. For sure. I think it was a little too much for me because it was pretty text heavy reading throughout the whole thing. And by mm -hmm. like four fifths of the way through, I was like, I want to skip some pages and figure out what the fuck this is. Because like it was very much it was like kind of like sitting down and reading a graphic novel didn't necessarily yeah. impact my enjoyment or, or like evaluation of the quality of the book, because I do think it's a very high quality book and not super covered in the familiar Scott Snyder trappings, I feel like. I feel like it kind of yeah. diverges from his normal writing style. If it wasn't for this guy having delusions that robots were after him and, you know, maybe they're delusions, maybe they're not. Um, we'll table that for now. There's no there's no twist, it seems like. Yeah. You know, like no no sci-fi, no no mashup of genres. Roman, what do you think of this Baron Stairman? Baron Stairman. Well, it's interesting because I was wondering, yeah, if it's not, um, if they're not delusions, it is a mashup of genres. Um mm -hmm. If the robots yeah. are actually counterpoint. Um, I I liked it. I mean, I thought what you know, I uh, Tula Lote. I thought I thought their art was very fitting for this. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that we got the uh, I forget his name, but the the Pinkerton man. So yeah. we have kind of a detective because he's an old fashioned Zeke. Pinkerton man. Yeah. Um, and this is set in twenty seven, so this is like just before the Wright brothers. Sure. Into the internet. Um, but this is uh. Like, I don't know, 10, 12 years before the Pinkertons started kind of evolving into what became the FBI. Oh, interesting. Um, That's a pre-existing organization. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Pinkertons was kind of like the Old West's first, like, attempt at creating, like, overall law enforcement, well, kind of law enforcement organization. Um, it's like nationwide bounty hunter cops. Yeah. They're yeah. good cops. Yeah, yeah. The FBI, yeah, the FBI evolved out of that, which... We'll all see when the uh, Killers of the Flower, Smo Flower Moon movie comes out at the end of this year. Man, there's um, so much Pinkerton in my news lately. Yeah, yeah, because that's all right around there. And I thought that was cool. And I think it's a nod that this is set in 1927. I think that's just a little nod to um, the movie Wings from 1927, which was the which is about biplanes and dogfights, and it was the first movie to win an Academy Award hmm. for the for the aerial effects. Wow, nice. And I like that about this. There's some movie references in here. Besides that, there's a there's a panel when the Pinkerton man, Pew, is that his name? When he's on the train and and that's not him um, when he's on the train and it's uh, the panel has a nod to Hitchcock's cameo and strangers on a train because um, there's Hitchcock right behind him kind of looking over his shoulder. just like in the movie. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, huh. and I like the Cliff Cliff Sackard, um Rocketeer stuff. Though there's a couple panels where our hero, quote unquote, um, also looks kind of like Bogart. Hmm. Yeah. Which maybe I'm just reaching, but his name is Bix, and Bogart and one of his classic film noirs played a character named Dix. Like, the Bix hmm. character name was very Scott Steiner to me. And I was like, oh, that's not yeah. like Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought well, this was fun. I wasn't sure about it at first, but I'm definitely curious enough to read the third issue. Second yeah, slash Tula, third issue. Third Tula doesn't do yeah. a lot of interior art in comics like fully, so it's cool to see her doing something right now. Didn't she do something for Vertigo a while ago? I'd believe it. Something. Oh, and I love the neon thing at the end, too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, mm. that that's mm. cool. Yeah, I don't know for sure if I'll read the next one, kind of like in the way for Clear. Um, it was interesting, but... Uh, uh, clear got even better. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. If I hear some positive reviews about this, and I'd come back. But it wasn't necessarily my my favorite type of thing, but I do think it was really well done in every regard. Um, Can I just get this out of my system? Please do. Are you upset Pinkerton, with Pinkerton, I hardly know her ten. Oh, I was going to say something about Weezer. Hardly Weezer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, let's talk about some scores on these. Nine. Easy nine. Romeo Dobbs. Uh, easy Rollins. Um, Henry Rollins. I, I don't know. Easy I'll, company. I'll give, a good cop. <laughs> I'll give it a... Um, I'll give it a... Uh, I don't know. I just don't know. 7.5. Seven point like, five from the Roman Staller. I liked when you recorded your scores beforehand. I'm going eight. The Ocho for Jeffo. Nice. That seems low based on what how Roman described it. Your machinations are a mystery to me, and I love it. He's a bad cop. Whoa. I'm a bad oh, lieutenant. Man. He's a bad lieutenant. <laughs> yep. Cajun um, Kaitel. That's me. You know who's a bad cop person is Peacemaker. Even yeah, though he yeah. tries hard. Um this week we got Peacemaker Tries Hard number three by Kyle Starks and Steve Pugh, colors by Jordi Belair. This is not something I want to enjoy reading as much as I do. <laughs> and it's like he keeps showing up in other comics and I don't give a fuck, but he is written amazingly in this. Like it is, this is just a joy to read every time it comes out. It is funny. It's stupid. It's gorgeous looking. It's it's really this is a very good book. This would be like one of my if you like kind of dumb, funny stuff like this book should be in everyone's hands. It's I yeah. can't wait for this to be out as a collected volume to sell to people because I didn't read the first issue when it came out because I don't give a fuck about Peacemaker. I should have known because I like Kyle Starks a lot and we've been reading him since Rock Candy Mountain. But I, yeah. I can't remember if he's done superhero stuff in the past. Uh, nothing really I'll look it up comes while you guys mind. are talking. Nothing really comes to mind. One of my favorite panels this week was uh, totally beat up, haggard, shot up Peacemaker coming up to the bar and saying, and like getting on his stool like a really tall, beefy guy would. Like Steve Pugh's art in this is, the guy just keeps getting better and better. And his word balloon is, can I get like three orange juices? And I just thought that was like the funniest, dumbest thing for him to ask for after this ordeal he's been through, being betrayed by an ape with a giant brain who hates him. And and then he comes back to use those orange juices. Yeah. Yeah. He uses the orange juice in a fight. He uh, like he uses the bar bathroom to to fix his wounds. So he's got tampons sticking out of his shoulder. And like he's yeah. Kyle Starks. Kyle Starks can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Steve Pugh like, fuck. 
I, I had a thought when I was walking downtown today and I was like, Hey, this is kind of shitty, but Garth Ennis, watch your back. You know, mm. like, like <laughs> Steve Pugh and Garth Ennis did some amazing books together. And this feels like I would have expected this Peacemaker book to be a Garth Ennis book because mm-hmm. I guess Garth did a, a Peacemaker one shot not too long ago. That was pretty good. Feels like the bits of Hitman that I've read and stuff though. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the, like the slapstick plus the, the character, uh, heart that, that really makes the slapstick work well. I loved it. Yeah. It's cannot recommend highly enough roman you like a dumb funny and a peacemaker man yeah i really wish that um there's this black label and they're doing the james gunn oh, peacemaker, peacemaker and and yeah he's just like he always was in dc comics he's just boring because he's not the james gunn peacemaker um though in the other comics he's shown up with that he now has a sidekick that i think is kind of funny well we but, can um, all also say his appearances in pax americana by grant morrison free quietly are stellar mm-hmm Oh, I forgot he appeared in there, actually. Um, but this, yeah, this is great. I mean, everything you guys said, there's a panel there where he he's at the bar and the local Jamokes are are kind of razzing him. And, and the guy, How many Jamokes the local, are there? Two Jamokes or three, three Jamokes? Three. And oh. one of them points, says, superheroes don't cry. And the panel reads, everyone cries, damn it. And just the, the, his yeah. face. Oh, my gosh. It's well, like he sad, looks sad so, much, hound. so much like john cena in this art like he it looks like a cartoonified john cena and it's perfect yeah. because i think yeah. for this character to work just like you were saying it has to really feel like the james gunn peacemaker and yeah these two have locked in that appearance and voice yeah definitely it has this comic has the voice of you know a james gunn movie um i love the fact that a obscure golden age hero shows up and nowadays he's working at least the black label universe he's working for amanda waller i fucking hate it, amanda waller though I do too, but this is a great use of of that Golden Age character, and it's hilarious too because he did have one of the silliest costumes and silliest powers. Red B, but here he's fucking cool. <laughs> We're getting these advertisements for Superman: The Last Days of Lex Luthor, written by Mark Wade with art by Brian Hitch. There's going to be a Black Label book, and I cannot fucking wait for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll I allow it. Wait for that. Uh, I give. Se- Sorry. Do you think it's a sequel to that Elseworlds Luthor book from years ago? Um. Was it the Life and Luther? Times? Oh, where he's like Luther? the president. Well, no, that was in regular DC where he came oh. president. Or did no, Elseworlds I mean like that do one black cover where he looks? It's based on the Trump portrait. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. Old. Yeah, Eduardo Barreto. Yeah, yeah. I just wondered if this was a sequel to that in a way. I don't know. Mark Wade could do that. I'm not yep. incredibly excited this Brian Hitch, but I'll take it. I give it a nine. I give it a nine point five. I shall also give it a nine point five. I shall. I shall. Jeff, yeah. How could you not be? excited to read something by a creator that you love even if it's a character you don't care about like do you hate peacemaker as a character are you just tired of peacemaker because i feel like you're a champion of you hate peace so much that you're willing to kill for it um i feel like you're a champion of following the creators more than the characters but it seems like characters can sometimes be a total stopping point for you yeah no it's a great question um I think that characters can be a stopping point for me when it feels like it's a character that's being editorially shoehorned into things like mm-hmm. like, OK, they keep trying to make me like this character, you know, like and right. it definitely seems to be tied to like movie appearances and stuff. So that can mm-hmm. raise a red flag for me uh, with this book specifically while ordering it. I ordered not enough, but much more than I would have for a Peacemaker title because it was Kyle Starks. And then when it came out, I just totally forgot it was Kyle Starks and why we had ordered so many. Oh, okay. And then we sold out of it. 
um, because like, again, Peacemaker is a blind spot because he's been in a lot of different series lately and no one has done it right. And those, those have all felt off tone and wrong and like a corporate edict. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with this one, like I'm very excited to be reading at this point because I know I like the artist. I know I like the writer and I know the tone for the character is also like, it's one of the first books I read when it comes out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in general, I do try to, you know, prefer characters and stuff, but there was the other, the other thing that I was nervous about was Kyle Starks. And I looked it up, has not done a mainstream Marvel or DC comic yet. So there was some part of me that was like, Oh, are they just tapping this kind of up and comer writer to do this kind of, blank job right yeah and uh and now he's kind of proven in the way that mark russell has that even Mm -hmm. if you put mark russell on you know wonder twins it's going to be a fantastic comic if i don't care about the characters so uh yeah that's kind of where the the sheep spin where they lie for me that's that makes sense the art pairing on this is really interesting to me because it's like i don't know it's it like Kyle Starks has pretty much exclusively worked with people who have a similar art style to his. Yeah, you're right. Like Rick and Morty, the, you know, like Schweitzer. Yeah. Yeah. Looks looks like him or Schweitzer. And, and even like, uh, uh, I hate this place, which I read this week has, has a lot in common with, uh, that, mm-hmm. uh, Artem Toplin and Steve Pugh has such a different art style than that. To me, it's and, like, they uh, almost were like, we see the similarity in your type of writing and Mark Russell's. So we're going to give you the artist that propelled Mark Russell to stardom. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, see that. And this book seems to like fall in kind of a similar space in my head as Flintstones. Like, yeah, I wouldn't assume that this is a property I want to read, but the writer and artist are making this something highly worth reading. So, yeah. 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 Um, you guys on the topic of this end of sad, scary journeys. Go on. Hairball ended this week. Hairball number four, Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins with art by or colors by Hillary Jenkins. This um, book is so weird. Cover B done by Ella Kent. So I love that it's just like covers by the Kents and art by the Jenkinses. <laughs> this is the end of this hairball story. And I liked this issue even more than the last like two. And this is just this very bizarre little four issue story about an eternal evil timeless spirit cat that has been watching over this little girl and her lifelong journey understanding what this cat is and kind of how as an adult she comes to terms with all of this stuff spoiler alert it's not really a good guy no it's more of a bad cop (laughs) that's interesting because i thought i mean i like this issue but it was set for me it was such a switch because i thought it was like an evil spirit cat and i guess it still kind of is but it's you know just apparently as far as we know so far just wiping out people that deserve it so i was like oh so it's actually an ancient egyptian or babylonian goddess spirit cat that does good huh that's a big switch but i liked it yeah like it's an evil cat that is killing people and when she was a child yeah but they deserve it yeah when your her scope of the world was small (laughs) it was doing damage to her parents but as she's older she's able to aware be aware that they're shitty people and deserve what they got right like so yeah it's like it kind of reminds me of some of the themes of Mr. Miracle by Tom King, which is like mm-hmm. dark side kind of represents anxiety and kind of what he does by the end of it is just learns to coexist with anxiety instead of trying to defeat it. Uh, that's that sort of like to me is like, okay, so yeah, it's this evil spirit, but it's eternal and it will always be around. So I'm learning to live 
with it rather than try and do something about it, which I think is an interesting distinction of acceptance. And it's cute cat. And damn, it's fucked up and creepy, but it was just like really good. Yeah. The whole thing was really good. This this issue was a huge departure from the previous ones, I thought. Like, we flash forward quite a bit. She's not just talking to her um, therapist. Um, I Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that she... You think that she just learned to live with it? I felt like she realized that the cat was a force for good, even though it was doing... It was it was enacting good by doing evil. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Like, yeah, I, I mean, she, like, sought it out you know too yeah you know it was like it had kind of moved on but she like sought it out so like it it, it was more proactive than simply living with it but yeah but certainly accepting the role that it has and understanding yeah. it and deciding that it's going to be a part of her life rather than a thing that she's living in opposition to um did the panel where the cat has one sideways eye really freak you out i was just I looking it. at that i i love it's it's like right after she finds it it's got one sideways eye and it's oh that like there's, and there's another place later on in the book, right? Oh, yeah, when she's they, holding it up. Right before they take off in the truck on the last page, there's two panels where the cat's purring and it's looking at the reader with normal cat eyes, and then the next panel, one eye goes sideways. So I was like, oh, my God. so fucked. That would be Dude. such a cool scene, like in a live action something. Yeah. <laughs> where the cat's eye just switches like that. I'm just a guy that really likes cats, so this whole thing really worked for me. <laughs> and I think they're mysterious, horrible shitheads, too. So, like, that's one of the things I love about them. This just, like... If you're a cat lover, I think this is particularly appealing as well. I want a demigod cat to hang out with. Did we score well, Peacemaker? Did we? I don't know. Yeah, 9.5. 9.5, 9.59. 9. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Next question. Uh, what did you give Hairball? Uh, I give Hairball an 8. Nice. I liked it. Um, there's something that Matt Kent is doing lately that is falling into, and this is just from like a writer perspective for me, but... Uh, not not a more meta kind of social perspective, but after Transmetropolitan, Warren Ellis started writing stories that were short, and it was like he was taking one little aspect the, of one panel that he would have put into the background of of Transmet and making full four to six issue story arcs from them. Yeah, like his in, Avatar in work. Series. In, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like everything that he did with very few exceptions after Transmet was over. And Garth Ennis has kind of fallen into this a little bit too, but I feel like Matt Kent has some huge, epic, amazing things that he's done and now doesn't have that epic concept at the tip of his tongue anymore. Yeah, and I wonder if there's... I, I kind of miss that. I wonder if it's like that kind of like bands have, you know, like consisting like a third album slump. Yeah. They refer to. And it's like kind of after you've done the big thing that you've been working forever to do that, like if you get noticed for like that big thing and then you've got like kind of the B sides and follow ups to all that. But it's the third album, which like is mm -hmm. oftentimes recorded or written on the road and all these things. But like, I wonder if it feels like there's something to the idea of like, you know, Garth Ennis being like, how could I do another preacher? I can't. So I'm just going right. to do some other six issue things or something like that, you know, like. And he fell into it a little bit less than Ellis. Yeah. Because like he had Preacher, Hitman, The Boys and Punisher. Yeah. Like all of those are that's that's an amazing run of long stories. Mm -hmm. And like, I like these things, but I, I would like to see Hairball as part of a larger cohesive story and it seems 
like he's almost simultaneously kind of doing those two things because he's been making these four and five issue miniseries that are apparently kind of in a linked universe like bang and black badge and you know yeah. the spy one and this I mean, like not not that it, they're not clearly related but like i wonder if he is gestating some sort of large shared universe because i had a similar thought i was like is this going to show up somewhere else yeah and like grass kings and the black badge shared a universe like he is doing larger universe stuff but that's different to me than a large story i guess yeah. no I, I get where you're coming from yeah that that makes sense and i yeah you know, his longest thing was mind management. And I think second to that would be Grass Kings and then Black yeah. Badge. Like I would like a 26 issue Matt Kent thing. I think some of the difficulty with that is that his sales don't justify that a lot of the time. Right. right. Um, I think by like nine issues in for a Matt Kent story, it's in a fairly low. Time to reboot place. to a number one in the same universe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you guys want to talk about next? Well, did we get some... scores from you and Roman? Oh, sorry. I gave it a nine. What'd you give it, Roman? Give it an eight and a half. Eight and a half for the hairball. <laughs> ew. Hairball. Ew, ew. I step in hairballs pretty often. Yeah. We can talk about swan songs. We can talk about Fantastic Four. We can talk about uh, First Blood, Night Terrors. We can talk about the end of Clobberin' Time. I read all of those. We can talk about John Love Everlasting. That make you cry? Mm. You're make probably not cry. reading it now, huh? Yeah. I thought it was it, the last issue of Love Everlasting until it said be continued does that if, thing seem like it's all making sense again or starting to make sense yeah. no but it's good oh it makes like sense traveling through Her. time through different romance tropes or something is that right yeah this poor this poor woman cursed to be in these romantic relationships that she doesn't actually love the guys but she seems to be stuck in this one Maybe I thought it was the end of the her story, but then it was to be continued at the very end after her husband dies. And God, I love this cover, cover A, um, where she's giving muffins to the to the nurses. And just that, I love it because that one nurse behind her is so happily eating that muffin. I mean, she's just crammed a whole bunch of muffin in her mouth, and she looks like a chipmunk a while mouth, the husband is say. dying in the yeah. background. Yeah, yeah. Mouth. it's it's so whimsical around. Death. Yeah, Jeff, this is this is twenty uh, some pages of. Uh... 69 year old guy dying of cancer oh yeah hey hello yeah, I bet good morning like Django. hey enjoy your comic <laughs> books bud yeah is he 69 in that oh i don't he looks he's the same age as my dad okay like, i was gonna say like that yeah. would be uncanny no i mean he yeah he, he weird, looks enough like it yeah and the, and the funny thing is well not funny but read the room my, Roman. my connection I did. <laughs> dick ah, i don't care uh, no <laughs> Well, because the main the guy that dies, um, he dies like the way my grandpa went out. Um, he was mowing the lawn and collapse in the in the grass and lays there for a while. <laughs> Grandma eventually, or the mom and the, or the wife in this, eventually goes out because she realizes the lawnmower has just been running continuously for an hour. Like, that's wow. how your grandpa died. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. This guy dies in the hospital, but that's that's kind of what the the mower thing is what kicks it off. Well, I guess actually, I guess same thing with my grandpa. He didn't die right. He had a heart attack attack okay. grandma went out and he was like sitting down going wow my chest kind of hurts and they took him to the hospital and then he died like a day later um, yeah jeff hour. this 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 was pretty intense like there's there's a it's just like he's he wants to live long enough to see this wedding he refuses treatment because he'd be sick from the treatment at the wedding he like he's got this he, he starts kind of forgetting things and and has little bouts of anger and confusion like it this i don't know if tom king's dad just died of cancer or what but it it really kind of hit the nail on the head for for my experience with that 
whole thing. That sounds like a downer. It's a downer, but I probably give it a ten, man. Oh, yeah. yapsie! Yeah, it was so well done. Yeah, and I think you could just jump into it. It's not a. I mean, it's obviously it's connected somehow, but who gives a fuck? It's it's worth reading. Yeah, Dang, that yeah, sounds this really good. Might be my favorite issue of this series, maybe. Yeah, excellent stuff. Wow. What do you give it, Roman? I think I'd also give it a ten. Wow. Did you see the the variant cover? Mm, I don't think so. It's her taking a putting a big old blue lobster in a lobster pot. Like, does not fit the rest of the comic. <laughs> Isn't there uh, a thing? Don't they have a conversation about lobster though? Yeah, there's some lobster in there, but that's not what this comic is about. (laughs) (laughs) There's some lobster in there. (laughs) Yeah, Um, man. Good stuff. Wow, that's that's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. That score, Tom King. You're damn good. Uh, Do you guys want to talk about some of my higher scores of the week? Yeah, sure. (laughs) You guys read Fantastic Four number nine. Fuck yeah. So uh, Ryan North is still writing Fantastic Four. He's nine issues in. This art is by Ivan Fiorelli and color artist is by Jesus Ebertov. This is largely narrated by, oh no, Alicia? Alicia. Yeah. Yep. Um, the blind wife of uh, The Thing. And this is the first two-part arc that there's been in this series. And I think at the end of the previous one, we were like, yeah, like, I kind of wish they would have just wrapped it up. But after reading and enjoying this issue, I think that it was kind of nice that it was two separate issues the way that it had been done, especially with the narrative device of Alicia uh, guiding it. This follows and it was nice. It also answered those questions we had last time. We Googled to see if this was a pre-existing monster and that name didn't exist, but it's based on a monster who had a different name that is an old Kirby one because it looks so Kirby. Yeah. um, That they fight. And I thought the it, it just like, this one to me even more than a lot of the previous ones ironed out like ryan north's understanding of fantastic four what he's trying to do with this series like the fun adventurousness of it but also like the science e aspects of it and i think that you know this two-part arc executed it really really well more than kind of the faux two-part arc with like the bacteria from the opposite reality or whatever um which is also awesome they're all awesome they're all awesome for sure but i think this one is doing a a fantastic job this is an instance of a pretty text heavy book being uh paced really really well and, Mm -hmm. and enjoyable uh yeah i i loved this issue what did you guys think about it roman are you a guy who likes the fantastic four yeah they're pretty good they're no they're no team titans but you know they're fun but they've got dr doom in them but but he's not really part of that. Mm. I did like this a lot. Boy, I even though it grosses me out, I like the fact that the artist kind of plays up the body horror aspect of Mr. Fantastic because often he's shirtless and stretching around. And I don't know, just having him colored skin color and stretchy is just so gross. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's just well written. It's good, good science. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a story with told from uh, Alicia's point of view before. And that was really good, especially at the beginning um, with the panels that are just black and just having us read what she hears and and her internal narration. It was so clever. Yeah. Yeah. I liked her talking about how she engages with comics. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, God, this is fucking cheesy. And then like a page and a half and I was like, oh, wait, no, this is amazing. This is <laughs> like super well done. And by the time we get to the end and we've seen kind of her whole her whole thing and the way that she helps defeat muba is pretty hot or uh whatever this this zargor zargor's monster's name is uh by like molding uh sue's invisible constructs like that goes back to the previous issue right when they're trying to make the shape out of fire um good good shit 
And it's clear, like, he has this sort of science, intelligent background. So he's using their powers in incredibly interesting ways, which I think that different writers have focused on different aspects of them. And he's focusing on several different aspects, but really doing a great job with that. Like, what could these four very intelligent people, well, three intelligent people in the thing, do with these powers? Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was something in this issue, too. I guess on the last page, um, when Alicia's narration, how she's talking about Ben and how... Uh, describes him as big and handsome and rocky and orange mm-hmm. and and i realized god i've never really thought about it before that's why she's attracted i mean besides his personality just physically she's attracted to ben because she's a she's a sculptor and he's like a living sculpture mm. and it, it just it just makes sense yeah. tactically yeah you're right yeah and i can't believe i just it never occurred to me before so great issue for putting that in there too i'm with you i give it a 9.0 I gave it. I was going to give it an eight and a half, and then Roman reminded me about the black panels, and I gave it a nine point I'll give it a nine and a half. Hell yeah! Ooh. Well, only Ooh. one time slide away from that is a uh, clobbering time number five by the Scrooge and <laughs> Brian. Scrooge's uh, bro, Scrooge. Brian Valenza doing colors on the Scrooge's uh, writing and artwork. This issue has like the best single page panel open that I've read in a long time. The Scrooge is doing incredible things uh, with his ink work and his line work. And then to have a comic look this good and also be and unique. Yeah. And to then be written by the same person and have it be as well written and funny and clever as it is, is pretty incredible. Like the Scrooge, you know, was doing that apocalyptic future America book for a while. We stand Mm -hmm. on guard. Um, I can't think of the last thing that they did. They did something kind of similar to this, but uh, I'll look yeah. it up. But yeah, I can't they... remember. There was there was an image book, another futuristic image book that they did, right? I, um, this this just has such good, disgusting body horror in it. Like the things, rocks coming off, like a thumbnail, like a big old rocky thumbnail coming off the skin. <laughs> he was doing Maestros. Was his last recent? One. Uh, I like that one quite a bit. Yeah, he does fucking disgusting body stuff in this issue, particularly with the <laughs> thing and some with Galactus. But like the thing stuff is so gross. Yeah, yeah, and I like the the bad guy. Um, just like the way the way he uh, tears the costume off of Doctor Doom. Doom. And then we get just a big old censored bar over Doom's face every time. Yeah, for like multiple panels. I wish that they would have shown us his face. I don't necessarily. That was the one thing I was like, I don't know why we're doing the censored thing. Like we've seen. Have we ever seen before. his face? He's on the cover of like comics and stuff. Yeah, we've seen his face. Is he like there's really? a Marvel superhero Secret Wars right where he's got his hand up and it's like pink in the background and like. Yeah, well, that's a funny thing with Doom because. Huh. Over the years, I mean, depending on who's writing it almost, because for the longest time, I remember when I was a kid, it was a big mystery. Like this has like his face is horribly disfigured and you can't see it. And I remember like issue 200 came out when I was a kid and it was a big deal because his mask came off and you were supposed to see his face finally. And I think that was one where it was revealed that, oh, he's not disfigured. He has like a little scar, but he's so vain that he's always played it up like oh, I'm a hideous monster and, and oh, he I wasn't. But then they've yeah. changed that over the years. And sometimes he's hideously disfigured and other times he's, you know, not really anything all that bad. I think the times that I'm thinking of where we've seen his face, it's like he's done magic at times to fix his face. Hmm. Oh, okay. And that's like when we've seen it. So like even recently, even like relatively recently, what is this from? Um, this looks like, um, 
Yeah, we've seen it quite a few times, but it's always in a healed state or a mild, only very mildly disfigured face. And so I wonder if that's because of his magic or something. Uh, right. David Marquez did an art. Oh, yeah. With like Immortal Iron Man, maybe where his face he was, was just fixed in handsome that. in that. Right. And we saw his yeah. disfigured face in some other things as well. Secret Wars number three just recently. Um, but I feel like in the original one, like maybe the sequel to the original one, he's got there's a cover of him like holding a cube up. And it's I mean, that's beyond her. I don't know. Oh. Um but uh, yeah, it just to that point, it just made me be like, we can we can show his face. You can show his face. Show me an ugly ass face. I don't know. Yeah, these yeah. censored bars. But that said, this this issue is fucking incredible. Like it's so much fun, and it's funny, and this new Watcher character is wonderful, and you get Galactus and disgusting Ben Grimm, and you have like you know Doctor Doom written perfectly. You know, and it well, you know, close to perfectly, pretty close to perfectly. A, a oh, perfect almost Hickman. <laughs> yeah, not not Hickman, but uh Hickman was doing a different thing, and this is a equally good version of a slightly different thing. I love that Reed's uh uh gift to gab comes back around in this too from the previous issue. That was the confusing part for me. I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, is Ben repeating those words because the gift of gab was breaking and he was just mimicking what it was saying? Uh it's I mean it seems like when it glitches out ben glitches out too okay like, so, it so i think it's i think it's a tighter interface okay yeah 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 this it. is great sorry roman please i love the end too speaking of a reed thing where um i assume reed did this um after they're back home and ben's all torn up reed puts him in a full body cast it's also got some kind of like little like drone things that suspending the shoulders so that he, he can Ben can still kind of walk around. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that kind of goofy thing. And it's got a control panel on the front for, I don't who knows doing what, but I just love goofy read device inventions like that. Okay. So he made a mobile body cast for his buddy. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact read. that this watcher is like Ben puts him up in his and Alicia's place for yeah. a number of months. It turns out him and, and him and, Tuva two or played tricks on Johnny. It's so fun. The, the I like that Doom sends some apology hamburgers, 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 and yeah, Ben's like nah, burn them. <laughs> They're cheeseburgers, <laughs> not hamburgers. I didn't say hamburgers. I said apology burgers. Apology burgers always have cheese, Jeff. I think you said apology hamburgers. Oh, do they? Wow. All right, listeners, we'll rewind There's no your way podcast to know. and let us know. Uh, you, you rewind <laughs> your podcast, I'll cut you. Just hit that back 15 seconds button and tell us, did he say hamburgers or not? So oh, look at that next back. issue cover to Alex Ross. That's total body horror. Read yeah, nothing but a bunch of like veins. That's just the next main issue of Fantastic Four. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. sad that this series is done, Gross. but really, really good. Yeah. Well, okay. What would you like to see Steve Scrooge do next for in the Marvel Universe? I have no idea. I would never have predicted or projected this series um like silver surfer like something in that would be awesome Ooh, that could be interesting uh, like cosmic stuff like more galactus just cosmic stuff because he does great space stuff fantasy stuff um, do a, I, bet, I bet he could do a fun loki series yep yep, yep. And he would probably write it funny and interesting dr yep. doom or sorry dr strange yeah fine like think about magic worlds with that art that yeah i just cool He'd have to make me want to read a Doctor Strange book, and that's then never just happened. Just put him in the old blue, blue and black costume, blue black costume. That's cool. Yeah, you're right. It'd get you there. I give it a nine point five, probably my highest score of the week. I give it a nine. I give it a nine point five as well. Hell yeah! Or since it's Fantastic Four, a nine point four. Oh right. 
Okay, thanks, Roman. I'll uh, make sure the math program can handle a nine point four here. <laughs> oh, yeah, looks like uh, looks like it's just as broken with a nine point four as it is with a nine So, uh, oh, sweet, good. yeah, perfect. In, well done. Into, well, integers of point two five are appreciated. <laughs> integers are whole numbers. Um, well, before we get into the closing segment of Night Terrors, do you guys want to talk a little bit about Swan Songs, which came out from Image Comics this week, written by W. Maxwell Prince, who writes Ice Cream Man with art by Martin Simmons. I forget what they most recently did art in, but I can find out. Didn't they do I, Infidel? Ooh. Um, was that them? I thought I that was, that like, was a different. Um, that was somebody else. That was a different Oh, writer, Department of Truth. Oh, yeah. Dying is Easy. It's kind of uh, punks, death sentence, kind of chunkier, uh, Sinkovician sort of art to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit less, like a little bit more obfuscated uh, Sinkovich, you know, like a kind of uh, lots of watercolors and backgrounds that seem to bleed into the foreground. And but I really like where the light's coming from in each panel. Like the 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 lighting is just. He's, he's got that on lock. Sounds to me like this book, and we don't get a clear definitive idea of what the series is going to be, but it, this follows two people kind of in the final clocking down of the apocalyptic clock, the doomsday clock, as the world's about to end. And we've got a son with his mom who's dying in the hospital, and she he reads her, her gardening magazines every week, and he ventures out to an abandoned magazine stand to try and get the final issue of this gardening magazine so he can read it to her as she's dying. But he is like braving these drug infested, murderous streets to get there and almost dies. And um, guess what? W. Maxwell Prince is fucked up, you guys. That guy's down. <laughs> this guy's a downer, man. This guy's a fucking downer. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, I do love it. This okay, so I think this is going to be an anthology series, right? And I feel like each yeah. issue is going to focus on different people in the final acts of this sputtering out existence. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, swan songs. Yep. This specific existence where the world explodes at the end, or do you think it's going to well, be different, different, different swan songs. ends of the world, yeah. different, different endings? It might not be the end of the world, just the end of whatever the character slash issue are going through. Yeah, so, I guess I was assuming it was all going to be in the same dying down world here but i like the idea that maybe it's just everyone is a totally different take on the last act of existence in a world where they die i mean it doesn't even have to be a world right it could be a life it could be your a life or even just a situation um did you did do will you come on a thought experiment with me jeff oh yeah baby i'm getting my posture up take me with you shotgun Ah, Roman. Uh, Roman's riding in the is... back. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I'll just do my MK Ultra back here. Flip. Whoa, that didn't go where I thought it was going to go. Flip through this <laughs> book and imagine that it's an issue of Ice Cream Man with Ice Cream Man art. And yeah, like I think that the the writing is so strong and has such a tone that you can see that working either way. Yeah, and how great the art and ice cream man is that like mm -hmm. there is such a strong tone to w maxwell prince's writing um and i think martin morazzo's art is versatile enough yeah that like yeah even just going through that every one of those panels could very easily have been an ice cream man panel i would love to see you know we keep getting this writer with different artists uh anthology or artists with different writers anthology i'd love to see a writer like maxwell prince do one script and hand it to five artists and give us that collection 
Oh yeah, Roman, you're totally right. Like the next issue has a totally different artist on it, and it's next issue, the end of a marriage. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, that that's interesting. This this was a good comic. It was a downer comic, but like it's called Swan Songs. It's about the end of things. So um, if you're the kind it's of person the Led who Zeppelin album. Yeah, well, the just the last few seconds of it, the record label <laughs> that they had and ran Swan Song. Um, yeah, yeah, eight point five for me. <laughs> What'd you say? Eight point five. I'm sorry, you were honking. Oh, I was giving <laughs> you my Swan Song. Uh, uh, I also give it an eight point five. What about you, Roman? There's another nine point five. This is another nine point five for me. I loved it. Honk. Nice, nice and depressing. <laughs> I'm very proud of that <laughs> bit, boys. <laughs> we're uh we're a depressing group of guys to hang out with um <laughs> yeah i'm not we're I'm very funny yeah you are okay let's, mo- let's move on to our tens for the week night terrors night terrors night terrors first blood came out i read that i also read night terrors batman and night terrors the joker which ones did you read roman night terrors first blood night terrors batman and night terrors poison ivy okay roman or Django, what'd you read same ones as you mm-hmm Nobody read Night Terrors Black Adam. Poor Black Adam. Poor okay. The Rock. Terrors is lucky I read any of it, Roman. I'm Poor... mad at this thing. It should be a series of annuals. Poor The Rock Adam. Okay. So, <laughs> comic store ownership aside, and it's totally fine to bring that into it also. Yeah. I was relatively frustrated and pessimistic about this whole thing. The most mm-hmm. recent frame of references I had for it were Convergence and Future State, one of which was the <laughs> most abysmal like two months of comics <laughs> I've ever read, and the other was not very good and i just shit something out yeah so going into it with that perspective and the inherent frustration with it i will say the main series first blood and kind of what leads into the main series was better all around than i generally thought it was going to be i agree like i really actually quite liked the howard porter art throughout it all their art is uh, really versatile while always being very stylistically howard porter and they also seem to be an artist that are uh advancing their style even though they've been fucking you know a great artist since the 80s and 90s um the story isn't terrible i think it's a a (laughs) series that i'm interested to read the main lineup but it's got you know 136 tie-in issues and i don't think it needs that so i like it's joshua williamson it feels kind of like infinite frontier or dark crisis did to me like <laughs> lots of superheroes very super heroic stuff high stakes big character moments nice art um this is me mostly speaking to the main series and i wouldn't say i particularly loved any of the tie-in issues i read i would say for the main series um well the main the 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 one shot one shot that series. precedes that like the main series better be very different from this or i'm not gonna uh be able to come to terms with this being a separate comic yeah because um, this feels like an issue one not an issue zero and not 100 alpha like what the hell um but it ha- i thought this was issue one it has a one on the cover yeah it's issue one but then we also have a four issue night terrors series so like this is night oh. terrors prologue there's sort of. no first blood number two. This is a one shot with a yeah. number one on it that oh, okay. leads into. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Um, the the I, weird, I like guys. the I like the the story okay, although dreamscapes are definitely not my favorite. Me neither. Yeah. Um, there was there was this really nice uh, Neil Adams looking panel with Dead Man coming out of Batman. Yeah, that was that was great. pretty sweet. Um, but like other than that, the art 
is really good, but it seems like a super strange choice for a core DC crossover book, like not house style. Yeah, I agree, but it does seem pretty similar to like the Guillaume March art that is in the Batman issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who the artist on the main series is going to be. So I'll look that up. That's a good question. Um, I'm glad that we got to see Amanda Waller in here. I've, I've been missing Amanda Waller. Yeah, uh, we never haven't enough. seen her since the last 300 DC books that I read. Never enough Amanda Waller. Uh, Roman, as probably the biggest fan of Dead Man in the Room, how does this hold up for uh, all the other throngs of Dead Man fans? You know, that's one of the things that bothered me about this prologue issue because i was like this is the most undead man sounding dead dead man i've read because you know dead man i tried to look it up i don't i couldn't find any information that said where boston brand is from boston um, and his well yeah but his brother's name is cleveland so <laughs> so and i don't think either one of them was from the towns they're named after is it really i don't think so because i boston brand always talked kind of like a but cleveland like is his brother's name yeah Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> his parents are dicks, and then their cousin is Cleveland Brown. Um, I don't think that's true. From is that true? Cartoon, from the Jango, issue. So, the main series of Night Terrors, the main artist that is titled is Giuseppe Camincoli, who you like and I like. I, I do. Um, and interestingly, there's two other artists mentioned, one of which is the next artist on Swan Songs, and their name is I think Casper Wingard. Casper Wingard, yeah. Huh. Uh Casper Wingard. Yep, exactly. That's kind of an interesting thing. Okay, yeah. so back to so back to what sorry. I was saying. Um, sorry, Roman. Sorry. <laughs> the um the um 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 yeah, that threw me off because Boston Brand is he kind of sounds like Ben Grimm. I don't think he's also from the Lower East Side, but he talks like Ben Grimm, ex except maybe with the Boston I don't know. But yeah, this threw me off because he just sounded too erudite. And it also okay. ticked me off that I mean I like the art. That was the saving grace for it. But it also ticked me off that they killed off Dr. Destiny who to replace him with a character that Insomnia. does exactly the same thing, Insomnia. So they kill off this old, long-running but third-rate JLA villain. Well, what would you do if you were a new villain on the block and you realized you had the same powers as another pre-existing villain? Turn him and you'd join knock him forces. Off. You'd get him out and you'd rule with your one power set. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't care about a new villain who does exactly what Dr. Destiny does. Use no, no, Dr. I'm just, Destiny. I'm just I think, I'm just joking as if I were the person. Yeah, it made it, it made me feel like Joshua. Okay, so Joshua Williamson wanted to like leave his mark on DC by creating his own version of Dr. Destiny by killing the previous Ooh. Dr. Destiny. Shots fired. So Heart yeah, and, and of course Harley Quinn was in it, which you know, who cares about her? Um but I like the art. I thought it was kind of silly too that Batman was so mad because him and Deadman have worked together before. I thought that was weird as yeah. well. They've yeah. worked together and Batman's been possessed by Deadman before. And as long as it helped solve the case, he didn't seem to care much. And at this, he's just so angry about it like it's never happened before. So I like the Batman Night Terrors issue much more than I did the prologue issue. I just want to yeah. shout out that it turns out that Black Adam issue is written and drawn by Jeremy Hahn, who is a creator we all like. So oh, interesting. Actually, maybe worth checking out. Um, so what yeah, I this one. It, it's written by Jeremy Hahn too. Yeah, written and drawn. Oh wow. Oh, what do we so get? It? First Blood. I gave First Blood uh seven point five. I gave it a seven. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. Sure. Yeah. Uh I gave Batman a seven point five as well. I thought it was pretty good. It got a little lost in the weeds of just sort of like the night terrors plot instead of just, you know, like just tell us that he's like 
having a fucking psychotic nightmare and let's have this story. But it's like, you know, insomnia is in all these dreams and he's not trying to fuck with them. He's just trying to get to this dark soul stone or something that like is hidden in one of the superheroes dreams. That that right there is what made me think this is supposed to be an annual crossover. Right. So like in the olden days, you would have an annual with bookends where they would set up the story in the bookends. And then you would in every annual, you would get how the hero was create was affected by this thing, which is exactly what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at the end, you would get the coda or the, the resolution of the whole thing. And you could read or skip almost any of the annuals. Uh, except for one or two that were sort of germane to the story. And when when Insomnia mentioned that, I think it was in this Batman issue, I was like, man, I, like I would have been all in on this as annuals, like like one issue, double-sized annuals. Well, it feels a little bit specialer when it's an annual story, you know, and this, this just feels like so. a forced thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I don't care for dream stories. I don't know the rules. I don't. And and the backup in this was pretty horrible. Yeah. Sorry, Joshua Although, Williamson and David LaFuente. I do like David LaFuente's art quite a bit. I but don't. I, that was not an instance of their art that I like, but they did a lot okay. of work with Spider-Man. It was great. It's a little, believe, uh, yeah, go ahead. Can't believe that on this checklist, I mean, considering that it's all set in dreamscape, dreamscapes, there's not a single one shot involving the dreaming. Yeah, I they've, wonder if they have removed willing- that. They removed the Sandman stuff from the from from the DCU, right? Did they? I don't know. Roman, I think you're gonna like the Joker one, though. Yeah, I'll read the Joker one. The Batman one again. Well, mainly mainly was the art, but God, that bat creature with the with a gun for its face. Yeah, that character design. Bruce pukes up. That was brilliant. And I liked him going into Thogol and and having like just a flashback to his parents' death and coming out and like I said I wanted 24 hours off and I was like yeah, that was 24 hours. Yeah. You yeah. obsessive dick. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, lo- I love the very the cliffhanger ending because that's a god, that's a great nightmare for Bruce to have. Okay, I also really like the giant pearls falling down at him through the yeah. All right. All oh, right. I just yeah. bumped this up to a seven and a half from a seven. That 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 panel made me think of you in Indy and Raiders and Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love Guillaume March. I love Guillaume March. I like their cover work more than their superhero work when they do, you know, like, uh, what was that book? Karma? Is that what that was called? Yeah. Yeah, like that was gorgeous. When they do superhero stuff, like capes and stuff, I like it a little bit less, but I think all in all, I still really like their art on this book. Big fan of Guillaume March. Um, so yeah, 7.5 for me, and I give the Joker a 7. But Roman, I think I think you're going to like the, the Joker one. I'm not going to spoil too much, but uh, Joker living his nightmare stuck in corporate America. Yeah, like I kind of regretted not, not grabbing that one too. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give the Batman issue a boy, at least an eight. Keep going, Roman. Is that an eight point oh one? No, just an eight because the Damien story, backup story, didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, I like the Joker one too. It's like from what we've seen from the other books, it seems off tone. But maybe the the Joker's nightmares are just boring instead of full of chains and blood and, and well you know like he loves you know. chaos so his nightmare is a world without batman where he's lost his purpose and so he's working for a living yeah the every like the other one's just every time we're in the dreamscape it's full of like trees with moss on them yeah uh, but yeah. that that totally makes sense for the joker um oh, and then yeah. before we get out of here one thing i want to touch base with you guys on did you guys read phantom road number five yes what jeff lemire's phantom road number five it's out next week isn't it is that is already it? out 
It's out this week. I read it this week. Yeah, we got Penguins huh. next week books, but we didn't get Diamonds next week book. Wait. No, I didn't get that. Am I not? Maybe I'm not subscribed. Huh. Okay. Well, hmm. I go, guess what I want to bring on. up is that this is the end of this volume. And much like people complain about issue one not having a ton in it, um, this first, if this is the end of the first volume, it's a little like, what the fuck's going on? You know, like we got a lot of teases. There's not a lot of resolution or even direction here. Um, we're just five issues in. We meet this fucking adorable bear who kills zombies with a hammer. <laughs> I love that. Hello, gosh, that's me, the bear here. <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 I really like this series. I really like the art. I really like it. It's in a top tier of Jeff Lemire current things for me. But it was just kind of weird that this was the final issue of this volume without like, it feels like we're halfway through volume one. Like it's this story is paced in a very interesting way. So I was just curious if anybody else had had feelings similar to that. I'd like to. <laughs> it's in my library polls and everything. Maybe it just got missed. Oh, I can help you. You want to read it to me? Yes. Let us begin. Phantom Road, number five. We open on an exterior shot of a road filled with white zombieist figures staring into an apocalyptic wasteland. The road extends to a vanishing point beyond them, and sadness reaps all of them. Actually, I changed my mind. Oh. That was <laughs> really I, good, though. That was yeah, really good. It was good. good. I wanted to hear I him do, I was the, doing do the good. whistling for the bear. There's a cute bear in this, Django. So. Yeah, and he's, he's whistling. Yeah, and I can't do oh. it because I don't, I don't know how to whistle. <sighs> Forget about that. Yeah, uh, me too. What about you? can swim, though, right? No. Get off the guy's back, bud. Uh, I could, no I could get in his back. I could drown, though. I almost drowned. <laughs> I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Roman. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, I don't know. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I like it. I like it too. But I, I do wish it didn't take like three minutes to read an issue. I know it's so <laughs> fast. It's so yeah. fast. Yeah, I wish there's just a little bit more text or dialogue or something. Yep. <laughs> um. But, but the art's know, gorgeous. But yeah, it's good art, and it's the we're getting a little bit more of the mystery every issue. We have a good reveal here for the end of the book, book one, and yeah, a more bear and yeah, killing a zombie. Yeah, the new bit mystery with this oh, that's bear. Good. That's oh, bizarre. That's bearzar. Thank you, bearzar. Oh, he does say he actually does say, "Oh my, oh my." He does. He does more than whistle. Okay. Oh my! I've just killed one of these zombie boys with my is this, hair Is this bear? Is he the bear off? like a diner's logo or something from a previous issue yeah in like issue okay. four we learned that like these gateways to this other reality seem to be happening at these bear themed truck stops okay which is fucking weird and i like it wow so he's some kind of cosmic bear, bear protector yeah Django. i gave that one an 8.5 that's a good score and a good cop he's a good bear yeah and a good is. bear yes i'll what give it a you, seven Roman? I'll give it a seven. Seven. He hates bears. He's jealous of them because <laughs> no, they can does. whistle and swim. I know. Even being all furry and stuff and not not aerodynamic, water dynamic, whatever. Barodynamic. Barodynamic. I swim better than you. <laughs> um, Jenga, <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we close up here? Uh well, no. No. I think I think we hit most of it. Um most. Yeah, I think I'm good. I'm gonna go see Indiana Jones again tomorrow. Nice. And the next day we're gonna go see a movie mission impossible dead yep. reckoning part one it's gonna have a cliffhanger jeff <laughs> i i just frankly if if my schedule allows it and Janko sends me some sort of message about going to a movie i buy a <laughs> ticket immediately so I, I don't have a lot of excitement for this but i'm excited to go see a movie with Django. yeah bud it's gonna be fun 
yeah it's gonna be you're gonna fall fun. right asleep there's a lot of motorcycles a lot of cars a lot of probably kicking and punching <laughs> i'm gonna smuggle, smuggle in enough cocaine that we're gonna stay awake oh i trust you completely thank you yeah <laughs> All right. Well, like I said at the beginning of the episode, the top, as they refer to it in the podcasting industry, you can send us an email to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. If you're listening to this plug at this point in the podcast and you haven't done it, you're letting us down. And that Shame. doesn't mean that we're disappointed or shaming you, except for Shango. But uh, it does mean <laughs> that, like, what's going on in your life that, like, you're hearing me say this and you're not doing it? Like, what's that. going on in your life that you're Jeff, not okay. doing it? It, it, it's going to be okay. Like, don't let them hear you cry. They don't deserve your tears. I they've earned them, them but they don't deserve them. Wow. What a distinction. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So send us those Jeff at the Uh Roman and Django and Jeff are going to be here next week. Plug it along. Episode 313, 313. That's a cool thing about that. Uh, three eight mile two. reference. Everybody what? from the 313, three, two, two, put right? your motherfucking hands up and follow me. Oh, yeah. You remember when you used to find the area code? But it turns out it was always Modesto, California. Modesto. Wait a minute. Modesto. Did you just say the next episode is 323? Three? I said 313 because three, three, I fucked three. up. But it, it is 322. 322. I got my two, ones twos. and twos mixed up. Ones, three, one. oh, Jeff on the ones and twos. Ooh. That's drums. And tatas. Ooh. That's... All right. We gotta get out of here. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta fucking go. I'm Django. I'm Jeff. I'm Rob.